0: hi everyone and welcome to the quantum sales podcast chats with champions where our experts on the ground interview some of the best teams out on the race course today and dig into what they're doing to get to the top all with the end goal of helping you elevate your game my name is laura beigel and i will be your host for the series what makes a champion tick we connected with the norwegian sailing rock star turned college sailing athlete ragna agrup to find out This May, in her junior year at the Brown University, Ragna Agrup added a college-sailing Sperry Women's National Championship title and the coveted Quantum Women's Sailor of the Year Award to her many national and international accolades. Listen on for an inside look at what this sport means to the talented young Ragna Agrup and much, much more. Your performance at nationals was so impressive for a number of reasons. So I want to talk first about that. What is so in in the two weeks of nationals, obviously, that is the pinnacle of college sailing. And all of the training you put in came down to that. And then you earned the quantum woman sailor of the year award this year, and it was presented by Don Riley. What does that award mean to you? uh
1: it obviously means a lot to me it's something that i've been working towards um for a long time since i came to college and all the previous winners i have so much respect for them they're all such great sailors so yeah i'm really psyched for this award i hope that um i will i hope that i can um be able to prove that next year as well that i i deserved it or i feel like i did at the end of this season as well it sounds like you might be up against
0: your sister for that one
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll be okay with that as well. She uh, is a good sailor as well, and i i'm I'm not very competitive against my sister actually We are just both very happy for each other. But when I was younger, I used to be very competitive against her, which is basically (laughs) the reason why we wanted to sail together.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's good. And now you ended up at different colleges.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so now we have to compete against each other again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, very cool. So in um, in your growth and development as a sailor, all the way from a junior sailor into the Olympic sailing or training that you've done, in your collegiate sailing, and then your future Olympic training, who and what do you credit for your success? Um, you can talk about anything from your parents to a certain opportunity that you were given at an event. You know, what is it that you would would list as the top reasons that you are the sailor you are today?
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good question. I think there's many, many reasons, but uh, the, probably the main one is definitely my parents' They brought me to Riga every weekend when I was younger, and sent me to training camps in different places in Europe. Because in Norway it gets very cold in the winter, so I obviously <laughs> need to travel. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard it
0: gets cold there in the winter.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it gets cold and uh, very dark. The sun sets at 4 p.m., and then there's no more sailing the, rest of the day. So, so definitely that requires a lot of dedication and logistics. So that's definitely got me up to the level where I am today. But then now I, I have to thank the coaches. I came to college sailing with very minimal experience in the 420. I had actually never sailed the 420 when I came to college. And John Mollicon and Danny Rabin especially taught me how to sail and rig and tune and boat handle. And yeah, and then last but not least, the team at Brown. We all push each other every day. and I definitely wouldn't have been this good if it wasn't for them.
0: Oh, very cool. Um, College sailing is really fun in that you, you often spend a lot of time in team environments and sailing, but in college sailing, it's, it's even more close knit than junior sailing or some of the other circuits. And it's fun because the, when your team wins the, the training team, the team that pushes the A team that ends up competing at all, the regattas feels it too. So Who are some of the people that have given you a run for your money at practice? Who are some of the other people in your team, you know, either women sailors or other sailors that really make you put your pedal to the metal?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a team effort. I think that I can't really name a single sailor because (laughs) we all contribute to some different things at practice. Some people push situations more. Some people push boat speed more. Some people are more risky on the starting line. But it's definitely all of the top sailors at Brown that you see every day. Patrick Shanna and Hannah Stedman, Sophie Hibben. Yeah, all, all those sailors that get to sail. Um, all kind of events, basically.
0: Very cool. And we Very also cool. have a lot
1: of good freshmen that have been challenging me, which is pretty fun
0: oh good that's awesome they keep you on. they're they're young and they're not as timid or weathered or experienced yet
1: <laughs> no exactly so they dare to do things that I wouldn't dare if I were them <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah you, you're
1: a little you got a little bit
0: of a mindset of man I tried that once at Navy women's fall and it absolutely did not work out and they're like Ah, oh, come on send it
1: <laughs> yeah maybe sometimes you have to learn the hard way you know <laughs> yeah,
0: it's like you, you know better and they don't know better, but it's 50-50 the way it pans out in this favor, yeah. right?
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> um, so the same can be said for a lot of sailing, too, which is pretty cool. Now, one of the questions I've really been dying to ask you, um, you know, as an Olympic sailor and training for the Olympics, what is it that dis- that made you decide to attend one university i know that there are several olympic sailors that put their higher education on hold or they try to accomplish it at the same time but specifically what made you want to attend in the usa as well as compete in college sailing in in the thick of your campaigning still
1: yeah that's also a very good question i um i when i was campaigning full-time i i tried actually doing school in norway so i enrolled in university in norway um, but in Norway, we don't have sports in college or university. So everything you do, you have to do on your own, basically. Okay. And, and without the support from the school and from coaches and everything that we have in the U.S. Yeah. And it's really hard. And especially when you have to travel and, and you're at the and and it's just hard to time manage everything. And, and in the U.S. you get to, to do both. And it's also perfectly aligned for you. It's an opportunity I couldn't resist, at least. Also, there's so many good sailors in the U.S. I feel like I really have developed as a sailor um, coming to college. And it's really competitive, the fleet. And there's, yeah, I'm really glad I got the opportunity to come to the U.S.,
0: so what made you choose Brown of all places? You know, the US is a really big country and it has a number of different sailing hotspots when it comes to collegiate sailing. Why Brown? Why New England? Uh, that's kind of more
1: of a coincidence. I knew I wanted to look at schools in the on the East Coast. So I, I looked at several and it has to do with the coach and the feedback that you get. And John was probably the one that was the most positive towards having me. So that, was, that made me want to push harder to get into Brown. And, yeah.
0: Oh, cool. So when you applied for college, you said you, the, you, you attended university in Norway or tried to. Um, at what point did you... Commit to changing paths to come to the U.S. for university, and what did it take for you to sort of be able to get into into university here to sail?
1: Yeah, so we actually applied for schools in the U.S. at the same time as we applied for school in Norway, and we ended up deferring um, our acceptance for a year. And the reason why we wanted to apply to school early was in case we got injured during our campaign or or something happened, and we didn't want to continue sailing. It was nice to have a backup plan. Nice, Which smart. is also yeah we because this hap- we my sister Maya she she dislocated her shoulder during a qualifying event, um, two years before the Olympics and then we kind of had like the realization that we need to have some sort of other plan in case this happens again otherwise we will be very upset and and in the US it's normal to do college and then do a campaign but in Norway it's actually more common to do. Uh, I campaign first if, if if the timing aligns up well, so that's why we decided to apply
0: so some of the other things that uh we wanted to talk to you about are you know sailing in general there's so many different pieces to it, and it started you know as as a little girl when you first got into sailing or or as a teenager whenever whenever you really got in the boat for the first time and fell in love with it the way that sailing has evolved in the last couple of years has presented mm. a lot of different fun challenges and while it might be a little bit behind other sports i think that it's really cool to watch it in general become increasingly more athletic so first what? When did you get into sailing and what made you t- decide to, to get into sailing? Um, yeah, that was also a little bit random.
1: My older sister, she had a few friends that sailed, so she decided to join sailing. And that's why my dad wanted me to, my sister and I, he kind of pushed us to try sailing as well. And in the beginning, we were pretty resistant so we didn't enjoy it that much because we were scared and i don't i don't really remember but once we started (laughs) getting better and having friends in the fleet it's that's one of the great things about sailing is that it's such a small community so you meet friends all over the world and every regatta you get to see them again and yeah i just love that part of sailing so and then we moved to australia when we were 13 years old and that's when our sailing career really took off because it's such good sailing conditions there Yeah,
0: Skiff City, huh?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: It's uh, I've never been, but it's very... Oh, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I see sea
1: breeze every day and nice and sunny.
0: Nice. Yeah. (laughs) So when you, you know, starting in Norway, moving to Australia, back home to Norway, traveling internationally, now here in the U.S., within all of that, who would you say that throughout your, your life and career in sailing so far, who are... Some of your role models, you know, men and women that you have always really looked up to and why?
1: Yeah, um, growing up, one of my biggest role models was this sailor from Norway. Her name is Siren Sundby and she was the first gold medalist, sailing gold medalist, um, women for Norway. And then, yeah, I looked up to her and and then I kind of now I, I I'm not sure actually.
0: <laughs> it's a hard question it's it's a question that's been asked a lot for a number of reasons and I think that you know sailing is different than other sports because you don't go buy a jersey with your favorite sailors. Yeah anymore, exactly right?
1: you like them for different reasons. Yeah so it's and, and of course I, I envy all the sailors that sail the Volvo Ocean Race and what they do i think it's so impressive but it's hard to name a single sailor
0: yeah i think
1: that's really hard
0: so if you had to pick let's say if you had to pick someone that um you really that really inspired you from an athletic standpoint that inspired you differently maybe from an olympic standpoint someone that inspired you from um, maybe a leisure sailing standpoint, you know, if you have a couple of different people that come to mind, who are they and what kind of influence do they have over your sailing or your mindset about sailing? Maybe that's a better question to ask. Mm, I
1: have to think about this for a little, Um...
0: (laughs) still an equally tough question.
1: I think it's hard, my, so my grandfather, he used to be a very good sailor, and it's just always been in the family, uh, but that was more of a hobby kind of sailing, and just enjoy sailing. Growing up, we had, my parents had a sailboat, so every time we had a vacation, we would go sailing, and I, I think that really motivated me to, to appreciate sailing the way that I appreciate sailing today.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I kind of find the joy in it. Yeah, Yeah, it's like you fell in love with it first, and then the the world kept getting bigger and bigger.
1: Yeah, and I for me, I'm a very competitive person, so it's it's for me it's important to appreciate it as well, and I kind of realize why I love sailing and not just the fact that I love competing and getting better and pushing every day.
0: So I I have you know a little bit of a similar background in that. I started sailing with my family and I sailed with them cruising on our family boat and competitively with my dad. I didn't get into like traditional what we consider in the US a traditional junior sailing program until I was like maybe 13, 14, I think. Mm-hmm. Um is that, you know, what what is it that you did with your family? Was it just cruising? Did you get to race? Like what kind of boats did you sail?
1: Yeah, and no, also we we did mostly just cruising. And then when I was young the optimist, I did regardless all the time, um, which was the the other side of the spectrum, the different yeah. side, But yeah.
0: Very cool. Um, now, growing up in sailing, and especially on the competitive side, one of the things that obviously in relation to the Quantum Women's Sailor of the Year Award and some other pieces of sailing that everybody is trying to change. Let's talk a little bit about sort of women in sailing. Women's sailing as it stands. Um mm. women's sailing as as the piece, you know, the parts that you're involved in at the Olympic level. What was your experience growing up as a female in junior sailing and what kind of advice would you give to young women who want to maybe explore different pathways in sailing?
1: Yeah, so that's also a good question. I think that's grow- growing up. I, I think it's gotten a lot better since I was a junior sailor because I, when I, my sister and I, I, I went to the world in the Optimist, for example, and I was the only girl from Norway, but that's, that's, just, they just pick out the five best teams. And then in, later on, I went to sail the 29er. And then in the Youth Worlds in the 29er, it was just one team from each country. And then I was sailing with my twin. And the two years that we went, we were the only female team in, at Youth Worlds. And that's actually changed now. So now they have a women's class in the 29er and a men's class in the 29er, which I think is really important for the females growing up, uh, being able to compete against. Females as well as having the opportunity to train against the boys because I'm not going uh, to, I actually think that training against the guys is what made us as good as we got yeah. we started selling, selling the FX. We would um, practice with FXs, but we would also practice with the 49ers because they have a lot to, we have a lot to learn from them, from their technique, especially because the 49 er had been in the game for so long and the FX hadn't. But I think the most important thing is just you can't be intimidated by the guys. You have to um, put yourself put yourself in respect and, and show that you are just as good as them. The fun thing about sailing is that it's a very tactical sport. So just like there sh- there's not that much of a difference between guys and girls. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, the tactics definitely makes it a little bit more of an even playing field. So it doesn't. You know, theoretically, it shouldn't matter as much. But we still see this trend where where it's almost a little bit antiquated and we're waiting for sailing to sort of catch up and inclusion based on mm-hmm. your experience growing up in sailing and growing up at such a high, you know, competitive level. Mm-hmm. What would you say the sport could have done to have been more inclusive back then and what do you think that is sort of left on the table for the sport to do to be more inclusive now?
1: Yeah, I think, I think that it's moving in the right direction in the way that it's, it has the same amount of events for women and men. But I think that there's, in, the, in the future there should be even more incentives to include women in the sport like um, for example if it's 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 the regatta where you sell match racing or something and you have to weigh in the fact that uh, having a heavier boat is good I think that there has to be some rules that that allow for another girl to join the team if if because although obviously they wouldn't pick um girls if they want to have a heavy boat because they weigh so much less so i think that's that's actually an unfair unfair way to weed out girls uh, based oh, on right. weight.
0: so kind of so kind of like the rules that they had with the volvo and some other classes the volvo yeah exactly and i think that what they
1: did in the cycle before this one where they allowed Team SCA to have an extra woman on board because they were a women's team. I think they need to do that more generally for, for everyday regatta. They actually base the crew based on weight. And then I think that maybe one guy and put, no, taking out two guys and putting out three girls instead is, is something that they should open up for the sailors so that they can, they can make the decision and not just based on weight because I think that's an unfair unfair decision and it it doesn't even mean that you'd pick the best crew it just means that you pick the most optimal crew which is i think it's pretty ridiculous
0: yeah you end up forsaking maybe some skill maybe some tactical advantage maybe some experience for the sake of weight yeah to have a faster boat yeah the last volvo they did have a rule where you know depending on the number of women that you chose to have on board they were basically you were given additional crew member spots and so they're yeah exactly
1: that too is i think
0: that's definitely a move in the right direction yeah i would so there's a couple of different classes that are actually beginning to implement that which i think is really cool and i don't know there's some here in the u.s and i would imagine that if they're international classes they implement it internationally but i think that um at the grassroots level they're starting to make that change which is really cool yeah i agree have you heard of the the being that you're in in Newport area, Providence specifically? Have you heard mm-hmm. of the IC thirty seven stuff yet? Yes, I have. Yeah, the Melgus IC thirty seven class. Yeah, so yeah. they have a they've got a women's rule too, where you can have uh, um, x number of crew, and if you have one woman, then you get an additional crew, or two of them, and you get an additional crew, and there's oh, that's a feel good. Awesome. Yeah, there's a feel-good weight limit. And so that gives you basically a guideline so you don't just go fully exceeding it, but there's yeah. also it's there are two really cool incentives. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's out there and it's happening, which is really exciting. But that's yeah. a really good point to pay forward. I think it's really tough when you talk about international championships with weigh ins um how something that seems so simple and a good uniform rule to make things as standardized or as fair as possible is actually prohibitive in nature. Mm. Interesting. Food for thought. I like that answer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. So then also, you know, with a lifelong in sailing and you've accomplished so much already, what kind of goals do you have long-term both for sort of your career, your achievements, your accomplishments, but, as a woman, being so successful and growing in this sport and being a role model to so many, and as a small example, even just the women on your team, what are your goals to further both of those things as you continue to sail?
1: Uh wow! I, uh, well, I, I think that for me, moving forwards, my, I will, I will always be involved in sailing and I don't know at what level yet. I don't know if I will go back to sailing the 49er FX after college, or if I will go back to sailing bigger boats and maybe, yeah, with different types of crews, but I, I would definitely, my, one of my goals is just to continue making an impact on the sailing world and then be a leading women's skipper, um, internationally.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So have you done much big boat sailing? Small segue.
1: I have not I'm actually I was that that's where I was before you called me I'm down because my dad has a big sailboat and tomorrow is uh, what well, Europe's biggest overnight regatta and it's hosted in Oslo and basically we sail out to Oslo fjord and all the way around is like light way out sea and then we go back into Oslo and we're gonna sail that tomorrow so I'm very excited because I, I haven't sailed much big boats now.
0: Oh, very cool. So you are racing with your dad. Who else do you have on board?
1: Um, it's my dad and some of his friends and then my mom.
0: Cool. Is your sister uh, going to be on board too, both of your sisters, or you're the only one that made the cut?
1: <laughs> unfortunately, because they're both in U.S. working this summer. So, okay. yeah, so they're over there, unfortunately, but my sisters definitely would join. We sailed it together last year and the year before. It's kind of a tradition. It's a lot of fun. Oh, that's but you, awesome. the problem is in Norway, it's, we have very light winds, and which is why it takes so long because we usually have two knots all night.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, see. so what's what's it like being in light pressure with really high tensions, and 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 wishing you could execute things faster? Also, with your family on board, who you know what their pet peeves are, and they know what yours are. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's that. Uh, that's a uh, wow! You really got the question right there because we uh, this is a debate we have every year because my <laughs> sister and I obviously get very competitive, and my parents are are more in it for the ride. And then my older sister, she is actually very good at big boat sailing, so she actually knows how to trim the sails and everything. So. It's a challenge for us, definitely, um, but it's <laughs> so, been getting better over the years. We've all gotten more patient and, and we've learned our roles. We know, for example, that my dad, uh, that he shouldn't be starting. I sh- one of us should be skipping at the start because he's <laughs> too intimidated by other boats. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so do you, how do you guys split each other up on the different watch shifts? Who does the watch system and who's not allowed to be on watch with who?
1: Um, one, one of the sisters always have to be on watch, um, and then we can just switch around the rest. We usually, um, yeah, one of us, three skippers. And my, my sister, Maya, she always does the spinnaker because she's, she's used to it from the 49 year and everything, so she knows how to do it. <laughs> I prefer she, to be the tactician
0: it's like once about person always about person you, uh, end yeah. up, you end up like pigeonholed right back into it because you, it, it's just she knows it better yes
1: <laughs> that's true never do a bad job well that's what john always told us
0: yeah it's honestly one of the best pieces of coaching advice that i've ever yeah, received. i agree <laughs> i'm a about <bowel> person anyway <laughs> oh nice <laughs> i feel her pain on that one Yeah, it's it's a it's a double edged sword. It's it's pain and pleasure.
1: (laughs) Exactly, she's doing it for the greater good.
0: Yes, yes, (laughs) and at the end of the day, she still loves it more. The back seat for the back of the boat for me is a little too slow. Is it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's so fun. So that's really cool that you've got that going on with your family and big boat experience and really really fun. So that's awesome that you get to look forward to that every year. Yeah. Sweet. So then as far as, um, you know, preparing for sailing, you've been training just about your whole life, it sounds like, at a very competitive level internationally, and then even into college sailing and now seeking maybe some more offshore or big boat opportunities. What kind of physical training have you had? Did you wish that you had and are working on now that you think prepares you to be dynamic enough to just take on whatever opportunity presents itself? Yeah, um we definitely that's another got like love- age-old question, right? Like sailing is yeah. becoming so increasingly more athletic, and it's oh, the pace is picked up, right? So how do you yeah, like definitely. keep up with that?
1: I mean, when I came to colored sailing, I was shocked that we had 10 races a day. I I thought that was just <laughs> absolutely insane, but right. you know you get used to it. Yeah. And, and and it's definitely some it's about yeah, you have to be ready as ready for the first set as the last set and you have to mentally and physically prepare yourself to be able to do that, especially at nationals when you sell both women's and co ed. Yeah. Um so yeah, I, I spend a lot of time um preparing for it. We have some team workouts every week and then some I go to the gym but not as much as I would like to I'm very busy with school as well and I'm trying to balance both of it so um I do as much as I can but I am al- I also care a lot about school so I yeah. would I I but before I came to school I had a very tough phys- physical program um obviously because the FX is very demanding but yeah you, you got to yeah. balance as well and I, I'm that's what I'm working on
0: Gotcha. Yeah. And then once you get into school, it's almost like a little bit of life outside of sailing. Yeah, yeah. That meets what it takes to be a really successful competitive sailing. So yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Now, I think one of the things you just brought up that I'm also really intrigued by is the mindset with all of it. So being that you've gone from very successful youth sailing into Olympics, now you're into to university and college sailing, each of those have, you know, presented its own challenges, and each is a little bit different in mm. the dynamic of racing. So, mentally, how is it you've had to change or grow your mindset for each type of racing? And what are some of the like, what really stands out to you as something that you've had to adjust for each of the different styles of racing you've done? Yeah,
1: so. I definitely, my probably, or probably my biggest challenge is the fact that I'm not sailing with Ma anymore. We got very used to each other and very close, and and in the end, we barely had to do any communication to understand each other. And that's definitely a challenge I've had in college, especially sailing with different crews and and adapting to different people. Um, It's a
0: bit of violent boat handling, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or,
1: or some bad communication, like not me, me not telling them when I want to tack, and then I just tack this <laughs> to Maya knowing when I want to tack. Um, yeah, and then it's also when you when you get to a certain level, it's it's not just about being good enough because you know that you're good enough, but it's believing in yourself. And then we definitely spend Maya and I we spent some time with a psychologist when we were sailing campaigning full-time to to realize the potential that we could get to if we believed more in
0: ourselves so I think that's also really
1: important yeah
0: yeah so now taking that sort of to college sailing because the format of racing is very different what are some of the things that you had to really address mentally to change To change your mindset for that style of racing, one of the things you mentioned earlier was that you are you thought it was insane that they did ten races a day, and it wasn't even just ten races, really. It was like ten sets of races sometimes. So, like, how do you how do you how do you stay so fresh all day? And what changes? What was the hardest part of being able to stay so fresh all day and believe in yourself all day? Yeah, it
1: was meant. It was for sure mentally tough. I. I wasn't confident with my boat handling skills. I wasn't very good at sailing the FJ or 420 in the beginning. And I was sailing it kind of like 49ers now to do maybe one or two tacks on the f <laughs> and, <laughs> and I have quickly learned that that wasn't the way to go, obviously. But
0: Maybe I'm I, Charles, if you're lucky. <laughs> so <Maybe>. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Either lucky or very lucky.
0: Yeah, who knows on the Charles? I feel like that's but, the only time you could get away with that.
1: <laughs> I, I agree.
0: agree.
1: <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's that's also about what you get used to and and work work towards. We, I think you just have to prepare yourself for a really long day on the water and whatever it turns out to be. It will it'd be a positive surprise when it ends up being not such a long day on the water, or it will be a very good feeling when you're done with the 10 races of the
0: day and you can go home and relax. Yeah. And now you said you're a really competitive person on the water. How do you temper that a little bit, knowing that when you show up and you go out for the first race of the day at 10, you might not be done sailing until 6 p.m. Surely it's you know, really taxing to be at that high, like that heightened level of emotion and competitive nature all day.
1: Yeah, definitely. That gets, it gets really tiring. Just being, even if we wait on land all day um, and end up having just a few races, I'm, I feel almost just as tired because I've just been turned on and ready to go all day. Um, but probably... I actually... I don't mind having the 10 races either. If I'm not doing that well, I think, oh, this is a good chance for me to redeem myself. Or if I'm doing well, I, I always find the joy in that as well, thinking, oh, now I can advance and, and do, get more good races before tomorrow. So I, I try to find the positives uh, yeah, And then John is always pushing to always finish 10 races, so I, I know, especially at nationals, <laughs> that he's going to do whatever he can to
0: get those 10 races done. <laughs> yeah, he's, he is pretty dead set on 10 race days, huh? so you knew what you were yeah. ready for.
1: <laughs> I, 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 I usually do.
0: Yeah, you acclimated pretty quickly, I bet. Just a, fir- a first couple of regattas with Brown, and you're like, "All right, so this is it for the next four yeah. years." i <laughs> I practice. Too if John says it's five
1: races, we normally do six or seven races, so that really <laughs> toughens me up mentally.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, that's so cool! He's such a great coach. Yeah, he is. Um, so you know, back to college sailing. Just to round out, you know, a few things of of your achievements and how you've performed so far. And what you want to do in your final, you know, year, you have one Mm -hmm. year left, right? You're a senior. Yeah. So in your final year as a college sailor at Brown University, to emulate the performance and the type of character that you are on the water and the things that you do to inspire, motivate or, you know, befriend the people that you race with every weekend is one thing but to elevate it is another so what is Mm. it you know what is it next year that we're gonna see that you are trying to you know to do above and beyond what you've already done so far in college sailing
1: Uh, well I think for me it's definitely going to be about next year just keep pushing and building our team we have a lot of freshmen coming in as well so um, including them in, in, in practices and so that we can all get better I, I think that I I don't know what, what the plan is for me next, next year we are losing one of our co-ed skippers so I will probably still do some co-ed sailing and that, that I feel like that I'm not at the best co-ed level that I can be yet and I think that I will continue to strive to become uh, even better uh, in college and in women's and you saw everyone knows how close it was for this for this award um, among a lot of the top women's in the country and i i'm definitely wouldn't say that i'm better than them i think we are we all have our days and i had a really good season but i think that they can come back just as strong as i did at the end of this season so I mean, for me, it will just be about continue to push and build and and become a better sailor.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And then I think one of the things that you've mentioned a lot, either, you know, verbally or just in theme is that so much of college sailing is also a bit of a, a family and like a legacy. You mentioned just now making sure the freshmen are up to speed, sort of passing on knowledge and experience and helping them become competitive. So you know knowing that you've got one year left at brown you've already won one of the most prestigious awards in college sailing the quantum woman sailor of the year award you've got one year left you hope to do it again but what is some of what is some of the life lessons sailing lessons you would leave behind to your future teammates you know as an alumni what is it you would tell them um, yeah. to help them be successful or to help them maybe even just to help them love it as much as you have so far.
1: Yeah, I think one of the one of the, my the reasons to my success is that I'm always prepared when I come down to practice. I'm always there to give it my best. And and some people come to say to or come down to practice to have fun or, or socialize, and that's okay with me. But I, I'm not like that. I come to I come to work, work hard and, and get better and and give it my best at practice every day which is why it gets pretty intense at practice and which is why being competitive is kind of tiring sometimes because i feel like i never rest when i'm practicing but that's also what makes me better and i think that's what makes other people better on my team as well we all we all push each other um and we we're all there to to do well at practice and keep improving and we actually have race day at practice every now and then, which is just, we have such a big team that it's just as many boats and um, Regatta for us. So taking it seriously gives me so many good benefits.
0: Very cool. All right. So now you're off for summer and school starts again just in a few short months. So I know that many of us are really excited to see the next round of college sailing, the next season to see how... Everybody measures up to see which sailors sort of, you know, take next year by take the bull by the horns, I guess.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it'll be fun to see where people are at next year. Yeah. I'm glad I have another year. (laughs)
0: <laughs> if you could have more than one more year would you do it?
1: <laughs> I don't know I'm also pretty ready to graduate so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so maybe maybe if not for the really grueling school curriculum part yeah then definitely I would stay there forever <laughs> <laughs>
1: just with the people and the sailing and the team it's I have so much fun
0: oh that's awesome so um, just sort of one final question to round out our interview today and that's You know, once you graduate and with all the sailing that you've done, all of the parts of the world and the events that you've seen and experienced, um, what are, what will you consider maybe the most memorable regatta or regatta win or moment at a regatta and why, what is it you're going to carry with you as you take the next step outside of college sailing?
1: Yeah, I, I, I spent some time thinking about that. And I it, it, I, I really f- enjoyed sailing nationals this year. And I, I hadn't sailed women's for a really long time. So I was really psyched to see my result. But the, actually, my most memorable regatta was... So last summer, we in the 49er FX, we had the uh, Olympic qualifier for Tokyo 2020. And this is where you qualify your nation for... For a spot in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, and my sister and I, Maya, we hadn't sailed FX in since almost we took a break from sailing when we came to college uh three years ago. And we decided to make a come back to see if we were going to be able to do another campaign for Tokyo. And mm-hmm. people uh, didn't really believe that much in us because we hadn't trained at all, but we we were we were the team that called our way for the Olympics and the other really teams cool. didn't yeah and we we made it to the medal race and we it is one of the best performances we have ever done in the fx um uh, at the the highest level events so we were really excited about that and it was felt good to kind of prove people wrong
0: that's awesome well, well you know first and foremost congratulations that's really cool and then to be able to have it sounds like one of the things that really stuck with you guys is just sort of the love for the sport and yeah and giving it it. your all and that's really all it's been taking yeah really cool awesome well uh I think you know I want to thank you for spending time on the phone with me today I this was awesome I learned so much about you and I hope that you enjoyed being able to share a little bit about your own sailing and stuff as well
1: yeah, definitely. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me.
0: Thank you for tuning into Quantum Sales for a sneak peek into the mind and the experience of sailing champion Ragna Agra. Keep an eye on the horizon and on the scoreboard for more impressive sailing from this incredible athlete. Stay tuned to Quantum Sales for more chats with champions and podium insights.